Hello and welcome to the EcoSend podcast, a weekly podcast on becoming a climate conscious business. Every week, we'll be interviewing founders, marketers, and leaders who are championing the climate. The podcast is hosted by myself, James Gill, co-founder and CEO of GoSquared and the makers of EcoSend. If you run a business or are responsible for growing one, and you want to have a positive impact on the environment, then listen on. Every episode, our goal is for you to learn something and be inspired to take some action. Every single one of us making small changes and some large changes will add up. We're all in this together. So let's get on with the show. Thanks so much for listening. Now let's meet today's guest. Hi there, welcome to another episode of the EcoSend podcast. It's actually the final interview of this series. So it's the final guest I'm going to be speaking to this week. And I'm very excited to have Mona Jensen on the podcast from Something Green. And I am thrilled to be here. It's been a fantastic run of the show so far. We're hopefully going to be bringing back a second season in the new year. But just a reminder for anyone who might be tuning in for the first time, the EcoSend podcast is all about me talking to other climate conscious people, whether they're in the world of business and business leaders, particularly people in the world of marketing and trying to tread the careful balance of how to communicate for their brands, for their businesses in this very difficult and often a complex world to, to weave a narrative around. So it's been a fantastic show. We've been speaking to some amazing people. Each week we try and do an episode. Each week it's about 30 minutes. And the idea is to inspire you hopefully maybe entertain you and educate you about the topic of the show. As I say, this week, I'm speaking with Mona. I'm thrilled to be speaking with Mona. Mona spent about a decade working in environmental communication. So Mona knows her stuff here. And she's been running Something Green since 2017, where she's helping green companies with their marketing and communications with clients all over the world, five continents, 14 countries. And also, not only that, but Mona also teaches workshops on how to comply with regulation on greenwashing and how to communicate ethically. So Mona is extremely qualified. I'm going to try and be on my best behavior and not make a mistake, but that's guaranteed me to make many mistakes on this show. So I'm thrilled to have you here, Mona. Welcome. How are you doing? Hi, thanks so much. I'm so excited to be here and, and talk greenwashing with you. <laughs> Thank you, Mona. And for those listening, we're recording just before Christmas. So, you know, it's a festive time at the moment, but why not talk about greenwashing? I should have put like a green festive jumper on or something, but I don't have anything so taste tasteful in my wardrobe, unfortunately. But yes, Mona, it's so good to be speaking. So maybe give us some background like what has led you to want to be talking to me about greenwashing just before Christmas and what's been your journey into this world where did it all start yeah so my journey was one of those non-expected ones I have a master's degree in environmental planning and I thought that was going to be my career thought I was going to be sitting in an office and just like hashing out what needed to happen. So after uni, I worked in waste management and I got myself accidentally promoted to head of communication in a <laughs> waste management department because I was good at it. So I was in charge of getting 90,000 citizens and around 10,000 companies to sort their waste differently. And I really loved that kind of work because it was extremely hands-on and it was 
dealing with everything from like the grand communication strategy to the really nitty gritty details of like what color do we want the stickers on the waste baskets to have so I really I really loved that range but I also grew increasingly frustrated in that job because every time I met a green professional it was the same situation where they would be amazing at their job, like so, so insanely qualified. And they would pull 60, even 80 hour work weeks because they really wanted to make a dent in the world. But they would miss their target again and again because they didn't quite grasp environmental communication and environmental psychology and how how the internet is kind of a beast of its own and communicating on there is very different than say paper flyers and things like that. So after a couple of years of should I, shouldn't I, I decided, okay, heck, I'm going to give it a go. And at that time, I actually had the option to fulfill a lifelong dream, which was to travel the world. So basically, I was traveling and then gently fell into an amazing community of the digital nomads who then basically showed me how to start a business and like, oh, yeah, sure, you can do that. Like, you don't need to go back to an <laughs> office if you want to. And so I started a company where I focus on helping other companies who do good stuff tell the world about the good stuff they do. <laughs> I see. That's awesome. And it's pretty cool as well, not going back to an office as well, but living the dream there. It sounds like you're living the dream of every tech founder, I think, as well as <laughs> living up to the environmental side, which is great. I mean, I already have one question, which is what what color are the stickers on the waste baskets? Well, it's a rainbow at this point because it's okay. a, a different color for each type of waste. So it's simple, red, orange, green, gray. I can imagine yeah. that could have been one of the most hotly debated. Oh, of the, oh <laughs> you will not imagine the meetings discussing the colors. And That is absolutely fascinating. So that's brought you to today. And, and that is what Something Green does. You work with businesses that are trying to make the world a little bit better and help them communicate that out to the world. And it sounds like it's going fantastically well. So I guess that journey has led you to know a lot about greenwashing and also a topic that I hadn't come across before, which you raised to me, which was green hushing. So maybe we start with greenwashing and let's unpack this because this is a term that gets banded around a lot. Talk to me about greenwashing, Mona. <laughs> yeah, so I think most of your listeners are going to be familiar with greenwashing, but we're going to just take the, the EU Commission's definition of it, which is greenwashing is the act of giving a false impression of your environmental impact or benefit. And basically it's signaling that you are more sustainable than you are as a company. Right, right. And this is something that has gotten an increasing amount of attention in, in these last years, which makes sense because we're now all talking about sustainability mm -hmm. and realizing, oh yeah. shoot, we need to do something. So all yeah. of a sudden, everybody's jumping on the bandwagon and, and oh, we're sustainable too, by the way. Yeah. Um, but that's giving some issues and it's making it really hard for consumers to see what actually is beneficial and what is fluff. And, and there was this really interesting screening of websites done by the commission and uh, national consumer authorities in, in 2021 where they basically looked at a number of websites to see how many of them fell into the category of greenwashing. So now we're going to have a bit of a spoiler 
moment because I take this question with me when I'm doing workshops about greenwashing and I make yeah. students guess like mm. the percentage of cases where they actually found greenwashing. Mm. Yeah. So it turns out that in 42% of the mm. websites that the EU commission looked at here, it was deemed that there was exaggerated false or deceptive claims that could also possibly generate unfair commercial practices under EU rules. Wow. So almost getting towards half of all of the companies like making some sort of claim, they they found that, wow, that's, yeah. that's quite something, huh? <laughs> that is yeah. a lot, almost half. Yeah. yeah. And of course, we, we don't know exactly what those companies or those websites were determined by. Like, we, we don't know if, if it was because people had already learned about them or if sure. the were only looking at uh, companies where they suspected there would be an issue. But still, 42% is a lot. Of, that's a lot that's, of companies. That's a lot that of greenwashing. That is a lot. <laughs> an example there be maybe like an, an oil company saying they planted some trees and everything's fine that, that kind of is thing. an excellent example yeah yeah wow. we actually that's a so this is a podcast and i can't show you slides but i do have also in my slides a picture my my partner is a very very patient man and he has to put up with me all of a sudden like stopping dead in my tracks and yelling halt or something <laughs> Because I need to take a picture of like some marketing campaign. That's so I, I do have this picture of of a billboard from Mercedes Benz, who are bragging okay. that okay, from next year all our factories are going to be driven completely by renewable energy sources, okay. and it's a classical greenwash example because. Well, I mean, um, let's let's start here. Yeah, like that sounds yeah. great. I I I want to buy a Mercedes now. So I yeah. yeah I, Sounds good. So what's the issue, man? Why am I saying it's being bad there? Like First of all, I want to say, obviously, I applaud them for using sustainable or renewable energy sources for their facilities. Yes, they should totally do that. But they're only looking at that part of the issue. They're not looking uh... at the whole life cycle of the car. They're not looking at all the mining practices and the transportation that comes before actually assembling the car they're not looking at the transportation of the car to let's say it's produced in i don't remember where mercedes are produced let's just say probably probably all around the world right and they pop it all together in germany yeah and then they're shipped to different countries and they're not looking at okay is this a gas car is it a battery car how will it be scrapped what parts can be reused what can't how will it affect the overall environment basically so it's a very narrow focus but they're making it sound like they are doing a a really big favor to us all by doing the bare minimum basically yeah it's like look over here but don't look over there or over there or over there because that's not something we want to shout about right now (laughs) yeah 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 and so thankfully the eu commission said okay this is an issue so from next year there's some new regulation in place or actually it's already in place, basically. The idea is to ensure that the consumer has better information, both on like durability and pairability of a product. So it's not mm. just buy, break, toss, new, mm. but actually, oh, you can get this fixed. It's also banning greenwashing to protect consumers from commercial practices that would actually prevent them from shopping more sustainably because... If Mercedes-Benz is doing the whole 
look at us, look how shiny and green we are, then you probably won't see cars or alternative to cars that are better for the environment. That is actually really interesting because, yeah, I mean, you know, we all want to do the right thing as consumers, don't we? And and yeah. so when a brand of that size starts saying things like that, you want, I myself, I want to believe that. You want to make the right choice if you really care yeah. about this stuff. And I guess that is where legislation needs to come in to enforce requirements. Otherwise, I guess it quickly goes into a free-for-all and then Mercedes start doing that. And not that I necessarily want to pin any real names here, but like another car company might start saying something more audacious and you know it becomes a marketing game rather than what are we actually going to do about it exactly yeah so there's this new regulation in place and while luckily it's not rocket science it's just new and we as marketers need to get used to this new way of communicating our services and our products so i'll just walk you through the different parts of what greenwashing entails because it's also using vague and green sounding language so basically words that sound good but had no concrete meaning like natural eco-friendly bio alternative earth green farm fresh like all Mm -hmm. those like soft fluffy things Mm -hmm. even sustainable this is what does that mean like in what capacity and what does that entail so and i want to get back to those words because this doesn't mean that you should never use any of these words this is not a like a a red list of words yeah yeah. but as marketers i think it's really important that when we do come across these words and when we find ourselves using them that we should recognize this as a red flag and we should like feel that itch in our stomach and be like oh okay now i'm using green why am i doing that am i am i hungry do i need a cup of coffee like I I need to put in more of an effort here and write biodegradable or something that's actually more descriptive of the product, even though it it requires more effort on my part and more research to what's going on than just writing green or sustainable. So it's almost like Microsoft Word needs a little green, well, it really has a green underline, but I think that's for grammar, but it needs another colored underline for eco- sustainable and then the the prompt is clippy comes up and says get a coffee take a break have a thing (laughs) (laughs) did you mean yeah (laughs) Yeah, it looks like you're trying to be green (laughs) (laughs) yeah you might want to rethink that yeah so that's also part of what greenwashing entails and so is irrelevant claims which is basically highlighting attributes that are obvious or irrelevant like marketing plants as biodegradable now, this is an example from the real world. Like, obviously, yes, plants are biodegradable. You don't have to market them as such. Right. Yeah. 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 I've also seen examples of shampoo being marketed as vegan. Mm-hmm. Again, apparently a really irrelevant claim because like no one puts milk or eggs or anything like that in shampoo so so yeah it can be animal cruelty free like not tested on animals like Mm. but that's a different thing than than vegan yeah yeah i see this is actually fascinating i feel like i'm not the only one maybe taking notes right now because this is eye-opening yeah 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 it's there's a lot of it and and i am really happy that this new legislation is in place because it it is going to make it 
for both consumers and marketers to navigate. Absolutely. But also things like misleading numbers. So there's, there's a really great example of company, we won't say its name, that wrote that this bottle is made of 50% more recycled plastic than before. And right. well, that sounds great. But this would be like a major drinks company of yeah, some sort. That, yeah, 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 yeah. You might have come yeah. across, yeah. Mm -hmm. But the percentage of recycled plastic was only going from 4% to 6% of the total wow. bottle. It wasn't 50% of the bottle. It was There was just 50% more recycled plastic in it. Oh, the percentages of percentages catches yes. everyone out. Used yeah. <laughs> maliciously a little bit there. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But it's like this particular thing is such an easy trap for marketers to fall into because we want to hit those large numbers. We want to bring out and highlight the, the things we're proud of. So yeah. it's a really easy trap to fall into. I was going to say one of the things I remember we spoke about before was around with with greenwashing. It's easy to sort of say, God, that company is evil. That company is terrible for doing this. But at the end of the day, though, like there are real people in Microsoft Word writing the, <laughs> hopefully not yes. Microsoft Word, doing good marketing efforts. I don't know. But whatever they want to use, writing copy and sometimes these individuals just trying to do their best, right? Or trying to, you know, make sure they do what their boss wants or make sure, you know, and so it's not this sort of Bond villain there making no, the bad calls exactly. necessarily, right? Exactly. Yeah, this is also something I, I make a point of bringing up in my, in my workshops that the reason why we greenwash is not because we're, like you say, we're not evil, we're not Bond villains. <laughs> and it's not it's so tempting to look at the big companies or corporations that go, well, they're just greedy bastards. They just want to sell <laughs> product. So they're doing this on purpose. But I guarantee you there's next to no one waking up thinking today, I'm going to lie to people and tell them that we're more sustainable in order to buy more product. What's more likely going on is that, like you say, it's real people and it's people with marketing backgrounds and experience and that's their expertise and that's what they're great at and what they're hired to do and now they're being forced to deal with this immense topic of sustainability as well cool. like i've been blessed coming from an environmental planner's background because i've been up to my eyeballs in ipcc reports for like 15 or more years not every marketer's <laughs> dream i might, I oh, might suspect <laughs> so lucky but but i think it's it's made it a lot easier for me to navigate the vocabulary of sustainability because Absolutely. i have read the reports i understand what biodegradable means and also what it doesn't mean so it's in that sense, it becomes a lot easier to to function as that a communication vessel for my clients. But most marketers, thank God, have not been forced to do that. And we, like you say, like we want to do our best. We also want to believe that the company we're working for is making a good product. So it kind of accidentally fall into the greenwashing trap. And if it's a small company, especially, then usually the communication efforts happen last thing because it's not mm. a component of the company so it's always that like 
4.30 or 6.30 or 9 in the evening, like, <laughs> oh, shit, I need to post on a social media or need to write a, a newsletter or a blog post. Like, oh, dude, I need to do the thing. So you're tired and it gets that tired energy as well. So the communication itself isn't that on point. But it also becomes really easy to use words like sustainability and green and that because you're tired. Your brain is yeah. done for today. You <laughs> use your energy on your key tasks, which you should be doing. So starting to really explain why your product is better for the environment than the other product, that, that takes energy at that point that you probably don't have. Absolutely. I feel like you're, you're looking into the soul of a lot of people. Anyone who's a founder <laughs> listening and... Hearing about late night writing a blog post or posting <laughs> on social media. Oh, we uh, all been there. Yeah, yeah, we have all been that, right? It's so true. Uh, I, I guess, like, you know, this kind of slightly takes us into the second main thing, which is the flip side of greenwashing, which mm -hmm. is this term green hushing that you told me about. Yeah. So this is where, well, yeah, Mona, if we've got to avoid trying to do greenwashing, what's green hushing? So green hushing is the practice of simply not saying anything about your sustainability efforts, usually out of fear of being called out or yeah. fear of landing a shitstorm. I participated in a national climate change citizen festival in Denmark this year, and it's a place where a lot of both companies and corporations and municipalities and state entities and citizens come together and then discuss sustainability and solutions. And there was just so much fear of landing in that shitstorm and of saying right. something wrong because there's been so much focus on greenwashing that everybody's afraid of being called out. Yeah. So instead, you have this situation where people are quiet. And I want to talk about why that is a bad thing, because you could argue that, oh, it's very noble that you just do your good deeds and then you don't tell anybody, like very mm -hmm. of you. But if let's say you produce t-shirts mm -hmm. and you do that in a really sustainable fashion, you use organically produced cotton, you are aware of the color imprint on the water environment, because if you use a lot of like colors with a lot of chemicals in it it can badly affect that right yeah um, you're you're aware of like all the steps in your production line and yeah. your scope into and three emissions so you want to make the best t-shirts out there from a environmentally positive perspective if you are afraid that someone's going to point a finger at you and say, well, you're not good enough yet. So you you decide to just like tone it down in your marketing. Then I, as a consumer, I don't get to see what's out there. Mm -hmm. I don't get to know that your t-shirts are even an option. I'm not educated that organic cotton makes a difference and how it compares to non-biodegradable materials like polyester, what's the effect there. Yeah, yeah. I don't get to make better choices because I don't know what's out there. Yeah, you, you're doing the perfect thing, but no one, it's like if a tree falls in the forest and no one's there to hear it, you know, like why does it, yes. doesn't matter if you've got the best t-shirts, but if no one knows about it and everyone's buying the rubbish ones shipped around yeah. the world with all the horrible stuff, then Exactly. is that really the right yeah 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 
And also because you're not telling people about it, then your competition isn't seeing it. So that means they're not feeling the pressure from you. They're not seeing you and thinking, oh, we're going to copy that because that's a darn good idea. And they're not seeing the future we are heading towards. So they won't take any steps to get there as well, which means that you are keeping the industry at an artificial low right? because you're being quiet about your good initiatives. And lastly, it's hurting your bottom line because you are a business. At the end of the day, you're making money. Like that's what you want to do. Now you can be an impact positive business and have that be part of your core values, which I highly suggested to you, but you need to make. So of course you should use that as part of your marketing as an, and part of your sales point, because it is ingrained in your business strategy that you are a environmentally friendly company and you want to do better. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Do not greenhouse. I know it's so, it's so tempting because it's so scary to think about being put in the spotlight and called out and being told you're not good enough you're lying your product isn't good enough and there's this unfortunate idea that you're going to land in a shit storm and that's it like everything's going to be over you're going to lose yeah. your client you're going to have to close down yeah. but that's not going to happen it's so again i i mean hearing you speak about that manner it's so close to home because what we're doing with EcoSend, like we spent a long time talking about it internally and mm -hmm. we really were so afraid to talk to anyone about it or to say anything about it. And part of the reason almost comes full circle, part of the reason for doing this podcast was like our desire to talk to other people that know so much about the space and about being more climate conscious as an individual, as a business. And to try and make sure we learn more and more. And, and I think what we've realized on our journey is that it is better to talk because also by speaking and by making some mistakes, you then get the feedback. And if you're willing to take the feedback and make changes, then you get better. Whereas if you don't say anything, then you don't say anything, you don't really learn anything and you just stay quiet and you don't, you don't get any of the benefits of being right or being wrong. You just <laughs> stay where you were. Yeah. Whereas you know, now we feel so much more informed and we will continue to make many, many mistakes. But that's, I think, how you improve, how you iterate, how you get better at things in life. And as long as you're willing to admit you're wrong and not <laughs> adamantly say, no, I'm never changing and I know I'm wrong, then then, <laughs> then I think yeah. that's, yeah. How and you, that's how also the, the good news for marketers because people, especially the ages, basically 40 and down, like that group, they understand that Rome wasn't built in a day. They yeah. understand that this is a process and that we have to take incremental steps. So if you tell your audience, I know my t-shirts aren't 100% sustainable yet. I know there's still an issue with the red dye mm -hmm. because we just can't get any other red dye currently, but we yeah. are working on it. We're working on it. This is our plans. These are the steps we are taking. This is what we already have done. Be transparent because transparency sells mm. and the audience understands that this is a journey. Absolutely. And 
Speaking of journeys, what a journey this podcast has been, man. I, I, I know we're basically at time, but I feel like I want to keep talking to you all day about this. There's so many other topics we could cover, but I I don't know. Is there any sort of parting thoughts you want to give? Any anecdotes, any advice you want to give, yeah. you know, as a, a wrapping up thought, Mona? Yes, um, yes. So, so yeah. two things. I'm going to I'm gonna give a little anecdote from my time in the waste management department. Do, um, <laughs> please do. Yeah. So I was also in charge of social media and this one day I had like there was there was some person reacting to a post I had made about waste management like oh no well they're just gonna mix it together and I did my usual replies that usually worked and addressed it his concerns and then he was like oh no but it doesn't matter because so and so and then I addressed that and like no matter what I did it was just like no it doesn't work it's not worth it Uh, and so I got a little curious and I was getting a lot of pushback from this guy. And I wonder why. So I looked at his profile and it turned out his words, not mine, that he had the man flu oh. and was feeling <laughs> miserable. I'm like, oh, okay. Because it's a lot easier to be angry at just like the municipal waste department <laughs> than it is to say, oh man, I feel like crap today. Um, <laughs> So, so I, it was such a valuable lesson for me and, and I've just like, I use it so often because it's never personal. And Mm -hmm. also remember that for like every one negative comment you might get, there's going to be likely a hundred positives that you don't, because if you're on LinkedIn or Facebook or Insta or snap or whatever, and you post something from a company profile, People aren't going to comment positively on that because it feels weird. You feel like a slightly (laughs) weird person for doing that. It's a lot easier if it's a person-to-person interaction, but it takes so much effort to comment on a a company page. So people just don't do that, but they will have seen your post. Mm. They will have gotten the message. So remember that if you get one negative post, you probably missed out on a hundred positive ones. Just because nice. why would people comment on that? Yeah. <laughs> that is, I, I'm sure anyone who manages any social media account for a brand is very relieved to hear you saying that. It's it's much easier to hate on the man and the big company, oh, yeah. isn't it? The big municipal waste department. I I yeah. mean, there's nothing better I like to do at my weekends than go and shout at the <laughs> local council waste department. It's a, it's a really fun thing to do. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Myrna, so much for an absolutely fascinating. I think we delivered on our inspiration, education, and even entertainment in I this hope episode. So. I, I believe so. I, for anyone who has not heard enough of Myrna, where can they find you on online? I believe on LinkedIn, right? And yeah. yes, on LinkedIn, Mona Jensen or Jensen. I post daily advice on how to communicate climate change and environmental issues. So if you're into that, please come join. I've just this Christmas had a Christmas calendar where every day there was um, some advice on how to communicate. Yeah, communicate climate change. Brilliant. I, I'm very excited to check that out. Given that I'm talking to you just before Christmas Day, I, I'm going to still see what doors are still to open on that calendar and hopefully guests listeners can hear that and check it out post Christmas and uh, yeah excited to see that thank you there's gonna be more stuff like that so okay fantastic I I wonder what you're gonna do for Valentine's Day or Easter I don't know yeah I'm excited to see what you got cooking 
Anyway, thank you so much, <laughs> Mona. It's it's been an absolute pleasure. Please do go check out Mona's LinkedIn and see what she's doing. And it's been a pleasure to speak with you, Mona. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cheers. And uh, if you want to hear more on the podcast, please do make sure you let us know you're enjoying it. Please do be positive and treat us maybe slightly better than the municipal waste department and uh, give us a thumbs up or a five star rating on whatever podcast they use. And, and please do drop us a comment if you've been enjoying the show. This is, yeah, my final guest of series one. So it's been a pleasure. I think we'll be doing a wrap up episode as well. And then we do intend to be back with another series in the new year. So hope you've enjoyed this series. It's been a pleasure doing it and uh, we'll catch you very soon. Thank you. Thank you.